welcome to Indy Stars Pacing the Pacers podcast with our insider James Boyd. I'm your host, Nat Newell, the Indy Stars uh, Pacers editor. Um, well, James, it's been nice to let you just ease into this beat here. Not much has <laughs> happened um, in your first uh, month and a half. So uh, another eventful week. Um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Pacers owner Herb Simon held a... Uh, meeting with uh, some uh, select few of the local media. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the record, that did not include you. They only allowed one person from each uh, right. outlet. Greg Doyle was our columnist. Went for us, um, but I Greg, was on my way to Milwaukee anyway. And, so. and James was traveling to Milwaukee as well. So while you know we would have preferred to have James there as well, we understand the situation. But uh, Greg shared the information. Obviously, he wrote a column on it. It's on IndyStar.com. Please read it. Uh, very uh, insightful. Um, uh, but Greg also shared everything that was said in the during it with us. Yes. Um, you also wrote about uh, it last night in yes, relation <laughs> to the game that the team played. Um, but so let's just start there. I mean, what was your takeaway from what you saw on what Herb Simon said? He's 87 years old, and he's not gonna go out tanking. Um, I don't think he wants to. Uh, you know, leave the franchise as a loser, even if it's at a at a state where you need to probably strip it down or rebuild. He's just not going to do that. And as I told everyone on Twitter when all this athletic reporting came out, I was like, "This is not going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a retool, a revamp." And everyone was like, "Oh, you're kidding me? This this story said X, Y, Z, and then what? It's you know, Herb Simon himself come out and say yesterday that he wasn't going to rebuild. He wants to do it on the fly, do it on the go." And frankly speaking, I just don't know how realistic that can be, especially when the product you're putting out there right now is not good. It would be different if they're playing pretty well and you're looking in like, okay, they're one piece away. For example, when the Chicago Bulls are rolling, I know they got some COVID issues going on right now. When they're rolling, you're looking like, okay, they might be a, a big guy away from being a serious contender or they might be a player away. The Pacers are not a player away. They're not close. They're no, not they're, good. They're a player away. It's just Kevin Durant, <laughs> LeBron James. I mean, either one of them. And that was interesting, reading his comments. And, and again, shout out to Greg for sending that my way. You know, Herb Simon saying, yeah, outside of the, the three or four best players in the world, those are the ones we, we're not going to get because of climate and, and location and small market. But we have a legitimate shot at the other players. And to that I say, no, you don't. You, you don't have a shot at probably the top 25 players in the league. That's just the reality of it. And – the league has changed. Like now, it's all about player empowerment. You're you're moving around a lot. Guys aren't really staying, you know, the entire time. So, you know, unless you strike gold in the draft, i.e., with like a Giannis or a Steph Curry or something like that, no one is coming to Indiana, you know, in the top three or outside of the top three to maybe the top thirty. I mean. Yeah, I've done a list uh, years ago, and I've continued to update it. David West is far and away the best free agent the Pacers have ever signed. Um, and was he ever a superstar? And he was a two-time All-Star, but as everyone has noted, he was coming off a torn ACL. He was not quite the player he was here that he had been when he was an All-Star. He was still really good, really important player for, right. the, for that team. They were really successful. So you cannot, you know, David West was a great free agent signing. But he's your best. I believe Bojan Bogdanovic is your number two signing as a free agent. Now, again, Bogdanovich, fine player, right? Helps you out, useful player, 
But he's not. Is he a difference maker? I mean, I, not in the sense that I think anyone who talks about adding free agents and being competitive exactly would would think he is. And then it's you know, and it just goes. And you know, you get to to Michael Williams, who you've probably never even heard of, <laughs> who was a nobody who they signed as a point guard early in the uh, Chuck Person, or I guess late in the Chuck Person Reggie Miller era. Came in, played very well, um, and then was uh, was sort of a uh, I don't want to say flash in the pan because he was better than that, but he was not a long term solution. But mm-hmm. when Michael Williams, I can't remember if he's fifth, sixth on the list, is is on the list, that tells you what you need to know about them getting free agents. Yeah, I mean, and it's tough. And, and I I do respect him as an owner. I would not say we can't get certain players or we can't it, do. It, I would never say we can't do anything. It as does an owner. no good to come out and say we can't get exactly. These guys, but. but you know, when he does say these things, we have every right to kind of fire back and say what he can't say and, and that's just the reality of it and then when looking at this group and getting into last night's game so this meeting happens in the morning you know all the reports pretty much come out I'm reading everybody's stuff along with obviously Greg's column which I think everyone should read he does a fantastic job of kind of telling stuff in real time which is something I'm going to try to learn and steal from Greg if you're listening um, but you know later on that evening they have actual game you t- you say you love this little team you have and I, you know, and just spoiler alert, a little bit, I put it in my column, that little team come up very, very small against a team that had hardly any players. They had seven players out. Giannis was out, you know, COVID protocols. Chris Middleton is out because of a hyperextended, you know, left knee. Um, Brooke Lopez is out because of uh, back surgery. Dante DiVincenzo, who was supposed to make a season debut after, you know, left ankle surgery or whatever, he's out due to COVID. So, you know, honestly – like now, there's a couple guys they put out there on the floor. I'm like looking at the roster to make sure <laughs> I, I type their name correctly and things like that. And 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 I get it. They saw Drew Holiday, and you know what I was thinking? Drew's a star. And even then, I don't think Drew is a superstar, but he was the best player on the floor from start to finish and controlled the entire game. I no disrespect to Sabonis. Sabonis was typical. You know, I think he had 16 and 14. I personally didn't think he got enough shots in the game. However, you need in this league dynamic guard play, and and even if you're not going to be a title contending team. If you're going to be pretty good, you need a guard that can kind of, you know, control the game. That's exactly what he did from start to finish. And it was was abysmal to start. They fell behind really bad early. They fought back into it. And then, you know, fast forward, you're 87-87 going into the fourth quarter. And I'm sitting courtside, which is, you know, I was kind of weird to be sitting that close to the (laughs) game. I was like, because, you know, here at GameBridge, they have us way up. So I'm sitting there, and, you know, it's 92-93. Keeling Martin gets called for a reaching foul, which was a foul. I was sitting right there, and, you know, he's frustrated or whatever. He missed a few shots, and he just slaps the ball out of Jordan Norris' hand. I thought the referee was going to let it go, and I don't know if he said something, and then a few seconds later he got a tech. And then from that point on, they had already, like, scored two points on, like, before that, and then they tacked on another 19 points. <laughs> so it turned out to be a 21-0 run in the fourth quarter, and the game went from, you know, a game that you are going back and forth, should win, to a – blowout loss that is just embarrassing so I mean I don't know how many times we can get on in these settings and say you know the things that they told me hey we got to come out and play harder hey we got to execute hey we got to do and I'm thinking to myself when I wrote my column I'm like you know what hey this just doesn't work it's just the reality of it I think uh there's I'm a numbers guy and there's any number of numbers that say this team's been unlucky you right you know you should right. win half your close games and they they lose most they lost nine out of ten when you win your blowouts you're a really you're usually a really good team mm-hmm. but this week so, I mean you lose a game to Golden State that you should have won yep 
and a close game yep. at the very end. There was no – and then your owner comes out and gives you a vote of confidence, and it was like they're up – I think it was they were up 92-91 in the fourth quarter. Now, if they had won a close game against that version of the Bucks, right. I still don't know if it's a, right. like a, a whole – I mean, it's a real plus for you. Right. But, but they're up – and it was almost like they said, oh, man, we can't lose another close game, so let's give up 21 consecutive points. <sighs> and I just don't know – I mean, th- after this week – I mean, you know, if you want to, if there are fans out there who want to be optimistic, that's certainly fine. That's their right. Go ahead, be optimistic, hope for the best. I don't know how you can be optimistic about this group after this week on top of everything else that has happened. Yeah, I mean, the we can talk, we'll, we'll get into the Curry game a little bit later, but I will say, you know, that team has a bona fide superstar. They were pretty healthy. They didn't have like any guys out outside of Clay Thompson who's been out. Right. And then going into the Milwaukee game, you know, they, they, like I said, I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this guy hardly ever plays. This guy doesn't really play that much. But they're basically taking the, 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 the punch or the fight to Indiana, which is pretty much healthy outside of T.J. McConnell and T.J. Warren. So to see them perform like that was pretty disheartening. And then after Simon comes out and exactly, tries to give him a boost. <laughs> and then I think for me, it wasn't the fact because it was a tight game. And just see, being around the team this season, I'm like, okay, they they might lose this close game because that's what they've done in the past. But they you know they were, they were in the thick of things, right, right? And it was a pretty hostile environment. There was a lot of fans there. People are going to come see the reigning champs no matter who's out there. And after that technical, the wheels just just fell off. It, it's like they ran out of fight or gas or steam, whatever you want to call it. And throughout the game, you're just noticing little signs. And this is I guess the luxury of being courtside. You got Miles Turner missing shots and. You know, he's come back to the hustle. Uh, I mean, huddle, he's smacking a chair, and he's, you know, mad at himself because he, he's not making the shots that he's normally making. And then you got Chris Duarte who's, you know, making shots, but then, you know, probably didn't get a call here or there. He comes to the huddle um, after Drew Holiday scored a nifty le- uh, uh, layup on him, and I'm just thinking to myself, that's just your rookie. I mean, it's just what it is. Drew Holiday does this to everybody. But he's frustrated because he's playing pretty good defense. I think he is, and I can't, you know, say exactly what he was feeling, but he was feeling something because he comes to the huddle right after they call timeout and, and he, he slaps a chair down. He's frustrated. And then, you know, after they won that run, I mean, Lloyd Pierce even said, uh, you know, I didn't have any more timeouts to burn. I mean, at, at that point, it, I mean, when you're burning timeouts to stop something and you're still not stopping them, they were just lifeless walking back to the huddle. Um, and, you know, it's one of those games where even as a reporter, you go to the interview room, you got to ask your questions because that's your job. But there's nothing to really ask. I mean, there's nothing to really – I have to be respectful to the players. I'm going to ask you something that's just going to completely set you off. But at the same time, what can I ask that I haven't already asked at this point? What can you say to me or to your fan base, to your teammates that you haven't said to this point? And, again, here we are again. It felt like it, made, it might have changed after the Miami loss when they didn't have two of their top guys and Jimmy and Bam – you win three in a row, and then this is like back to square one. That's what it seems like to me too. Like I said, I just after this, these, this. I mean, under almost any circumstances, I won't tell you two games make are are going to tell you what's going to happen during the season. Exactly. But on top of everything else that's gone on, I just don't see how you get past it. I, the big question is where do they go next? Um, I did a bunch of research today. What well, you were traveling, so uh, you know, for a, a potential story that down the line. Tanking is fine, and they probably and you know the easiest path to a um, competitive championship, even you know whatever you want, whatever competitive, Franchise whatever competitive player. means, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's just winning a playoff series or winning the title, mm-hmm. is the draft, and mm-hmm. that obviously means the higher you pick, the better. 
but looking, I went back and I looked at a 10-year period uh, from like 2007 through 2016, I believe. And even if you get that franchise player, that's not enough. Yeah. The, the Sonics slash Thunder did not turn around because they drafted Durant. Now, obviously, he was very young when they drafted him, maybe. Right. But they turned around because they drafted Durant, because they drafted Westbrook, wow. because they drafted James Harden. Yep. Um, other teams that were successful, uh, having gone, having picked high, it was because they had something else go right for them. I mean, the Cavaliers had a, number, a couple of high picks, um, but it was you know signing LeBron, LeBron James go, I mean, LeBron, makes a little bit of a difference. Yeah, I'm like LeBron James doesn't go back <laughs> if they don't have a number one pick, and it turns out to be Kyrie Irving, who's the best ball handler in NBA history. And he never looks back at that. I get it. It was a cute story coming home. He does not go if and Kyrie they turn Wiggins into Kevin Love. There I mean, so to me, you can't do it with. I mean, just tanking is. You might have to tank, but that's just the beginning. You've got to figure out how else you're going right. to put this. And this. And again, I also look back at some of the more successful Pacer teams, and they've done it every which way. I mean, free agency is was uh, on one hand, free agency has not been a big part of their um, success right. going back several years. But the the seventeen eighteen team with Old Depot's first year. They did get a lot of production yeah. out, of, out of free agents. Prior to that, it was either trades or the draft. Mm-hmm. Donnie Walsh was a master at making trades. Um, Kevin Pritchard hasn't done great in the draft. I think I think he gets a little. It's a criticism a little harsh, mm-hmm. um, but not but not out of the line. But certainly, um, you know, uh, T.J. Leaf was a, ma- a massive mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, you know, what Miles Turner has been good. Duarte looks like he's going to be a player again. They're not superstars, but they're 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 good solid players. But but. Pritchard's done a good job finding free agents and making trades to make the team better. But, I mean, this is a – I just don't know what the next step is without getting – either being really, really smart um, or getting really, really lucky. Yeah, I think – I mean, just spitballing here, one of the things probably has to be if you're not going to just full-blown tank, which I, I've, said, I've said to friends, family, people know I don't, I don't like tanking. I don't, I don't think that's a – a respectable thing to do just if, if you're a rich owner to just try out a team that's terrible and in the sake of hoping to I know some fans are clamoring for it they're always in my mentions telling me like <laughs> James next time you talk to Simon I haven't talked to the guy yet you know tell him you know we want to tank so that to me is, is if he doesn't want to go that route I respect that however now you have to look and see do you trade away some assets do you move some pieces to get other teams as picks that could be possibly be high. I mean, there's I, and I just who's going to give you a pick? I mean, all the picks that are going to be traded are going to be protected. Exactly. I would assume. Exactly. So I just don't see that as. I mean, picking it sounds great that you have three draft picks, but if they're 18, 21, and yeah, whatever, exactly. If you're not in that top ten, it's yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, and again, I looked at the. There were thirty teams that I looked at because of the way I did the study. Ten of them improved significantly. Ten of them stayed about the same. Right. Ten of them got worse. So, right. I mean, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a one-in-three shot, and it really come, you know, and to me, I guess the one thing that came out of it is if you're a well-run team, you got a shot. So yep. if you think yep. Kevin – and, again, I, I, if you view Kevin Pritchard's moves in a vacuum, look at them each individually, I think there's more wins than losses. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they haven't won a playoff series. And I, I, you cannot – if you want to say – Kevin Pritchard has not been a success because they haven't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. I don't know. There is no argument against that. I think you're right. So right. Um, that's you know that's the next big the the next big issue. So yeah, and then now we can move on to a team that did get pretty darn lucky in the draft with with Steph Curry. If anybody could read 
do that draft, he would not go number seven. He'd go number <laughs> one um, in several drafts. And just to before we get into the game, I just want to tell you. Now, I, I mean, I don't know if you've been in environments like that. He's the greatest show in the NBA right now, and obviously reasons, you know. But even before like the record, but with the record on top of it, in like in the air, it was unbelievable to see the amount of attention surrounding him. I mean, he was. It's like he's got this. Like he's like, I don't know. Like like he's like he's got this aura around him. Like people just want to see him. It was an, it was crazy to see. All the kids in the Curry jerseys, all of them clamoring for a glimpse of this guy. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want that ever. I don't, I don't want that because, I mean, it's a lot of attention. I, was, I called my mom after. I was, like, I was like, Mom, this guy is the most humble guy. He's, he, he's a great player, but he, is, he could never make every fan happy because there's just too many of them to please when it comes to signatures and things like that. And then he has to go out there and play against the Pacers, and he was seven away at the time. And he has to try to, you know, he, as a competitor, I know he, there was, it was kind of orchestrated. No one, no, no one would tell us part of history, but it was orchestrated for him to basically do it at New York. At least there were conversations about that. Um, but during that game, it was clear that once he started playing, he wanted to make the shots. And I think he missed a few just because he was nervous. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, Curry's made a few threes. He's getting closer. But the Pacers are winning. Like, you know, this is a game that, you know, won't matter to – Golden State because they're going to get Klay Thompson back. They're still going to be really, really good. He's going to break the record anyways. And then they're up five with a minute and 30 seconds left after this bonus layup. Curry hits a three. I'm like, oh, okay, like it's a two-point <laughs> game. And then he scores a layup, which he's very good at finishing around the rim. It gets tied. And then I, I believe, uh, you know, some kind of way they, they got the ball back. He catches it. He shoots it, and, and that, like, the entire arena is like, is he going to tie Ray right now and, and win the game? He misses it, and then Kevon Looney gets the rebound. No one and, came there for Kevon Looney. Don't disrespect to him. Threw in a lucky shot. I don't want to say lucky, but it was the yeah. odds of that shot going in were not good. Exactly. He made it. 100% credit yeah, to him. Karis told me that. You know, Karis he's like, I don't even know if he like looked at the rim. <laughs> and he puts it in, and, you know, Karis comes down on the other end. Like basically dribbles it off his foot or falls out of bounds, turns it over. Right back doesn't to the even, problems yeah, at the end of games. Yeah, doesn't even get a shot off. Which is, but then I mean, you'd be surprised you're at a Pacers game because we're well, not surprised because it's Curry, but because everyone's cheering for him. And and again, he didn't even play that great, and he only hit five threes out of fifteen. So you know, Curry, get your you know, get be back in the gym and get your jump shot right. <laughs> but it was uh, it was insane to see just the fanfare around him, and then also to realize like he was doing it or trying to do it at, the, at that time on the same court that Reggie's you know been, or at least the same city that Reggie's been you know, basically a legend in. So um, I asked him before the game, how does he weigh? Because I've heard this all my life. Like, oh, he has this gift. You can shoot 10,000 shots and never be as good. But he was telling me, like, yes, you know, he, he might have this gift, but he works extremely hard at it. And I think he's one of those rare guys like Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, Katie, where they have the God-given gifts, and then they work those gifts into something we've never seen before, which is Curry, who broke the record, you know, a day later in New York. I have no doubt that if he had five threes and the Warriors were up by 20, they were taking him out of the exactly. game and he was not going to shoot another exactly. shot. Uh, I also have no doubt, clearly, obviously, in that situation, he's shooting threes because they want to win the game. Yep. So, so It was a perfect storm. If you, if you bought into that game and want to see him break the record, I was telling uh, everyone, I was like, the Pacers have to keep it close and they have to be winning for him to kind of stay in that, in that competitiveness to kick in over – 
setting the record at a certain time versus winning the game. So it was, like I said, I've never been somewhere. He was literally, it was like the Coliseum. I mean, he got up, I put it in my, my, my story after the game. He got up in the fourth quarter to check in, didn't even do anything, and everyone just starts roaring. And it, <laughs> it, was, it was insane. Like he's, and I think for me, just being like a fan of the game, it was the first time I talked to a player who I can definitively say, or he pretty much probably anybody in life, he's the greatest ever at what he does. Like there's, it's indisputable, the numbers, uh, the eye test, whatever you wanted to use, there's no measurement to say that he's not the best at long range shooting in NBA history. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he, um, obviously there has been a huge surge in three point shooting, mm -hmm. but he's still better and that, and we, and he's better at it than anyone else. He's the reason, yep. part of the reason that that surge exists. Yep. No one, it's not like he figured it out first and everybody else caught on. He might, you know, people figured it out. Everybody else has caught on, and he's still better than everyone else. Exactly. Um, I ran some numbers again. There's a num not you know. There's a hundred different ways you can do it, um, but if you, I basically looked at where Reggie Miller ranked in the league in total three pointers made. I did this story a couple years ago, and then I used. I think it was because it was 2020, I think, and I used that season. It might have been 2019, and I said, okay, if Reggie finished third in whatever year, that's right. X number. Of threes with the volume right now right and he came up at around 4200 threes which is like way more than obviously he was at 2500 or something mm -hmm. like but he's still going to end up way short of i think curry's going to end up around 45,000 threes by the end of his career the only thing the one thing i will say is miller and allen played until they were 39 and 38 right um and obviously if you're a shooter, you can play a long time. Right. Curry's injury history is way – I mean, Allen and Miller never miss time. And and Curry has. So that's the one thing I wonder if right. that'll be a factor. Could he play until he's 38? Yes. And but he's, he's more ball dominant, so he yeah. has to deal with more, you know, hand checks. He does go to the basket uh, probably more than those guys do, at least at this point in his career. I know Ray Allen, for those of you who don't know, was was a, like a Skywalker back in the day. Yeah, he did it all early um, in his career. Exactly. So And then one thing i I just throw out there real quick we can move on. Curry's only 6'2". I mean, you look at some of the, you know, R Reggie Miller's 6'7", Ray Allen's 6'5". He's only 6'2". And he's a legitimate 6'2", because when I saw him at shoot-around, I was like, wow, this guy, if he wasn't Steph Curry, could walk down the street, no one would think that he's him, you know? So it was cool to see it. Um, it was cool to, you know, be a part of that. And even, like, the media afterwards, we were all in – normally they have this in little time, like, visiting locker room. They had it out in, like, the, uh, the media dining room because <laughs> everyone, you know, wants to see – the record get broken and, and it was uh like i said it was, it was cool to see just the energy because i've never even when lebron came and, and lit it up in overtime it wasn't like that with curry i mean curry's like he's, he's musty tv as a journalist you're tr trained to be objective and you certainly are yeah. across the board but i will say if you can't appreciate moments like that whether it's the history or whether it's just a chance to get to see mm -hmm. one of the people who's greatest at what i'm not saying you're rooting for him right but uh, if you can't appreciate what he's doing and what you're watching then you shouldn't be doing the job i mean there you, you, go. you should appreciate the opportunities you get every time i go to the uh, indianapolis motor speedway for the indianapolis 500 i didn't grow up a racing fan but every time you go it's special and you just know it and if you exactly. can't appreciate that and uh, you know and and just recognize that you should find another job there you go um, last thing we'll talk about is Kevin Pritchard's uh, apology. Yep. Um, I give him credit, uh, and I want to be clear. Um, I'm, again, I'm not saying I, – I said earlier, if you want to say Kevin Pritchard has not been successful here because they've never gotten out of the first round, that's a 100% reasonable um, mm -hmm. uh, stance. 
But I do think he deserves credit for apologizing in that situation. Right. I think that shows and leadership. what is he apologizing for, just to make everyone aware? He, obviously, he came out and said, uh, the, you know, there are no real stars on the Pacers. DeMontis Sabonis has been a two-time All-Star. You read the full quote, and you know exactly what he meant. Mm -hmm. Sabonis is an, a legitimate All-Star, but he's in the 25 to 30 range in the NBA. Mm -hmm. He's not an All-NBA player. And that's what Pritchard should have said, is right. we don't have an All-NBA type player. But he made a mistake. He, he, yep. he used a poor word choice. That's what he came out and said. Mm -hmm. And he publicly said, I used the wrong word. I'm wrong. I've apologized. I think he said he apologized to the people involved, including, you know, Sabonis. I, I'm sure it was Brogdon and Levert and Turner as well. He could have easily, I mean, how many people in his position would have said nothing? How many people would have tried to claim that they were misquoted? He didn't do any of that stuff. He created a distraction by his own words. He then did everything he could to defuse it. So I give him credit for, for, try, for doing what he He's handling it the way he did. I respect anybody that can definitively, uh, you know, come out and say I was wrong uh, and just wear it. I mean, that's, that to me says more about your character than when you're up and you're riding high or things are going well. If you make a mistake like we all do, can you own it? And he did. Um, and he put it out there publicly, so I know some people are saying, why is our, you know, uh, some fans, why is our GM on, or why is our president on Twitter, Bob? And it's like, whatever way you do it, no one's, not everyone's yeah. going to be happy. Or if you don't do it, people aren't going to be happy. Exactly. He, it's a no-win situation. But I do think that he deserves some credit for just putting it out there publicly and letting people, again, say whatever they want to say or, or take whatever they want from it. But at least he came out and apologized. And I think importantly, he put it out there to let people know, like, he did not, you know, just just say this and then sweep it under the rug, and he, he put it out there. And also, I think that that probably goes over well with your players when you get out there and you say publicly, "Our players are pretty good." Now, I, well, I would think going to them individually and saying, "Hey, I screwed up." You would hope that makes. I'm, a difference I'm sure to them. and there has to, yeah. yeah, and allowing there to be yeah. that exchange of whatever was if said. There, if that wasn't the case, and and I'll admit, I, you know, people were kind of mad at me for asking Sabonis about the comment or whatever, but it wasn't like I prompted Kevin Pritchard to say this. But as a reporter, I feel like I'm not doing my job. I'm not asking the question. Everyone's thinking anyway. That's the thing about journalism that I, I love. I enjoy it. And um, I also enjoy when people, get, again, get in my mentions or, or comment, why did you ask that? Why? Because everyone's thinking it anyways. <laughs> like, I mean, why would I go to ask some softball question about the third quarter? Or the fourth? Like, why not ask the question that everyone's thinking anyway? So um, I, the way I put it or the way I describe it, I'll be – you know, respectfully direct, which is, again, and kind of piggybacking off of this, the same thing I did with Justin Holiday. You know, he was made available to us uh, right after he got, a, the, you know, the COVID-19 quarantine or whatever. Um, he's talking about the things that he'd done to kind of ramp back up and get in shape. And, you know, someone asked him, you know, how does it feel to have the, the, your streak in? He's like, you know, did everything I could, you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think he did everything he well, could. I'm like, let me just ask. <laughs> and, again, this is not me, uh, you know, Judging Justin Holiday, this is you know I was just thinking, for your sake and mine, you know let's just be direct about it. Are you vaccinated? He said he's not. I then I followed up and asked him, has his experience changed your opinion about it? Will you get vaccinated in the future? And he said he will not. So that's that's the bottom line. Now, the contrast to that is you're you're saying this when your your head coach is in, in the, is in the the, the the quarantine and he's out. Um, he is fully vaccinated with Carlisle. Um, but again, I, I think that even Justin respected the question because I didn't beat around the bush. I just asked him directly. He said his piece. I didn't judge the guy. I didn't. When I tweeted it out, I know people were 
commenting left and right about what's right, what's wrong. I just muted it. I mean, that's not my place to, at this point, I feel like we're going to be going two years into this pandemic. Whatever decisions you've made so far, I'm the proponent of of thinking people don't really change that much. You know, I mean, I I would love for everyone to, you know, think critically or or that make people are who they are. You make decisions. And at this point, whatever decisions you have made are probably going to be the ones that you stick with going forward. Um, and again, I'm glad he got it out there. Just keep it 100% honest and open, and, and that's it. The other thing to me is you can always say no comment. I mean, if, if Sabonis exactly. said, I really don't want to go there, what, you got to follow up and say, no, you must answer the question. Exactly. No. If Holiday had said, hey, I don't want to get into it, because, you know, right. again, I, I respect him for being honest and forthright about right. it, and he said his piece, and that's And fine. I told him that before I asked. And, I said, hey, this is your right to even say – I don't, I don't yeah, have to it, know, but, I, but I, again – if, if my job is to be a reporter is to ask questions who you know which are sometimes tough questions and I don't do it I'm not doing what you all hired me to do so and honestly I feel like why the heck am I there if I'm, again if everyone's thinking the question and no one asks the question so yep. someone's I, gonna step up and ask the it's, question it's all about we being respectful doing and, and doing it directly and you know it, it might get you love some days might get you you know, pitchforked out on others, but none of that stuff really bothers me. I enjoy it just because, I mean, that's the job. You got to ask questions and get answers and then, um, you know, draw from it what you may. I'll be curious if uh, it does stick with Sabonis a little bit. I don't know if it will or won't. Again, I, I mean, I think everybody, you read the full quote that Pritchard had, and he said mm-hmm. these guys want to be. They're working towards right. that. Uh, so I don't, again, dispute what he said. I think the biggest concern but, right now with this team is is the state of them just looking – great for two games bad for two games and being in my opinion the peak example of mediocrity it well they're i don't think they're even as good as mediocre at this point yeah, i mean yeah i mean they're 12 and 18 i mean this this is some these are some bleak times i keep saying they're gonna round the corner we gotta correct this at it's, some point you are who you are yeah, they've got to own that this is who they are or it's gonna be the way it is you can't yeah. i mean it almost seems like we do what we need to do for two three games and they're satisfied, and then they slip back into yep. the, immediately back into that, and that's just not good enough. And again, I mean, you know, they got to figure out, they got to own it, and they got to figure out if they're if they are going to be able to consistently do what they need to do to win, or if they're satisfied with doing what they've been doing and saying, hey, we got to keep trying harder or whatever else it is. So. All right, and the last thing I'll say is just for everyone out there following the NBA, it'd be interesting to see what protocols what things change with the rising cases with the the new variant out there i know the nba's from what i've been reading they're going to up some of the testing especially around the holidays people have seen their families and things like that there's been a lot of breakthrough cases with teams there's been outbreaks with teams there's been postponements with teams so i'm interested to see how it changes because even for us um on the pacers beat we haven't had i believe we haven't had like an in-person um, like shoot around. Granted, they have they've been on different games and schedules, they, but we haven't been to like an in-person practice since uh, you know Carlisle tested positive for COVID. Um, we'll see if that changes, but I do think they're going to become more restrictive with access and things like that. And and even for my own person, that's fine with me because I want to stay safe. But it will be interesting to see how the league moves forward because this is becoming something that's not just a peripheral thing. It's becoming a, a big thing. You know, when you look around the league and you see like teams like the Nets. James Harden, one of your biggest superstars, is out. Giannis, the reigning MVP, is out. 
you know, with, with things like, and they're vaccinated. So the NFL just uh, put out a release in which I believe, I, I mean, it was literally minutes before we started yeah. this podcast, so I've not had a chance to read it all. I believe they have loosened some of the restrictions for vaccinated asymptomatic players who yep. test positive as soon as they get one negative test they're allowed to get back right. out there uh, and it man it's just so i don't want to turn this into an epidemiologist right. uh, podcast because neither of us is qualified to do that as viruses evolve as they mutate they tend to get more contagious and less dangerous mm -hmm. otherwise you know viruses if they kill their host that's the end of the virus. The virus, as a, you know, again, they're not viruses aren't sentient. They're not thinking about this. Right. It's just the nature of how things work. Right. Now, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes things mutate and it gets worse. But if this is mutating to a point where it's not, it's more contagious but less serious. I, I mean, I can see lightening it up. At the same time, the more of it's out there, the more risk there is out right. there. If you're immunocompromised, just because it's less dangerous to, to those of us who are younger and healthier, doesn't mean it's necessarily not still very dangerous to the people who are in that situation. So it's yeah, this next couple of, uh, I mean, the next month at least, probably through the winter, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I guess I should say, just challenging to see how these leagues deal with it. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, the NFL has said, or I shouldn't say the NFL, people have said that there's basically been zero evidence that COVID is passed on the field in the NFL, mm -hmm. which, I mean, again, I have no reason to dispute that. So that changes things. And, and the same thing in basketball. Has there been an issue with it being – I mean, it seems like it's in the locker rooms. I mean, the other thing that you get into is it's, again, from what I've read, specific versions of the virus are more likely to uh, cause someone who's vaccinated to get it again. Again, they don't usually gen – they don't generally have symptoms or serious symptoms. But if you get the wrong variant in your locker room, I mean, it's, it's just a total – coin flip for these teams so it's i mean again it's not like it's you tough. can say do x y and z and you'll be fine i mean you, you just can't control it i asked uh um and we'll get out of here on this last little but I've, I've been asking coaches do you think it's a matter of when not if at this point and uh mike budenholzer you know he's like i don't want to be pessimistic i don't want to you know say that but me being just from my own pitch my own personal belief that's kind of what i'm thinking when it comes to the, the amount of traveling these players do the amount of uh, people they interact with when it comes to different teams and, and different staff, things like that. Is it a matter of, of, of just being lucky that, I don't know, you, you, you get it now, you don't get it in the playoffs? So, again, I'm just speculating. Um, none of this stuff is, is really set in stone. But I do think the league will take a hard look at um, not only the Pacers situation with their coach being out, but other people around the league being affected by this. And, you know, from a own, just a fan standpoint, let's hope that, you know, games can happen in a healthy, safe environment. And, um, you know, I have more to talk about besides what, what happens off the court. All right, that is Pacing the Pacers with James Boyd. Uh, go to IndyStar.com to catch everything James uh, and Greg Doyle, among others, are writing about the Pacers. Appreciate you listening. Mm -hmm.